You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome to another episode of Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the podcast where we dig deep into the heart of Broadway. This week, we're taking a little trip off Broadway because we had the opportunity to attend Titanic. You want to know what happens when you take Celine Dion's music and the Titanic story and create a parody? Let's find out in the half hour discussion to come. I'm Richie, a theater director and producer. And I'm Jeff, a music industry producer and manager. Let's explore Titanic. Half hour! Welcome everyone to the show. Before we get started, we always like to let our listeners know that there will be spoilers about the show in this episode. So if you still want to see the show first, that's okay. Go check it out and then come back and listen to us in this episode. That being said, Richie, can you give us the quick one, two, three on Titanic? Of course I can. So here we are, Titanic, at the Daryl Roth Theater Off-Broadway, downtown Manhattan, New York City, was originally playing at the Asylum in New York City, downtown, and a much smaller venue, and then transferred to the Daryl Roth Theater. The book is by Marla Mendel, Constantine Rossioli, and Ty Blue, and it's choreographed by Eleanor Scott, directed by Ty Blue. And it's been running for a while now, I believe, well over a year or so. Um, It is scheduled currently to conclude its run in January 2024, but it constantly keeps getting extended, so I have no idea. Um, But we'll see. As long as the people are buying tickets, (laughs) people are going to go, so keep extending. And you got to see this uh, down at the Asylum. I did. Last year I went with a friend, and we went to see it at the Asylum in New York City. Uh, Very small. Like, if you thought the Daryl Roth Theater was small, this is very, this was much smaller. I clearly got too big and needed to get into a bigger space. Uh, but the, one of the major differences was that was a three quarter thrust stage. So there was audience seated on three sides. Didn't quite translate that way to the Daryl Roth. There is a little bit of audience involvement of walking into the first couple of rows but not quite the same. And I actually have some thoughts on the pros and cons of that. We'll talk about a little later when we talk about the design and overall aesthetic of it. But I just, just overall thoughts and plot. I love this show. I've seen it twice. I hysterically laugh. I, if you are specifically, you know, it's really for anyone, but if you're a gay male millennial, I feel like this is just (laughs) your speed. You're picking up on every reference of pop culture tv gay culture new york city culture broadway culture and you're just (laughs) getting every single joke and i just am living for the hilarious 
elements of it. It's very smartly crafted. I do think it works so well. And it's what, to me, Off-Broadway is. That's yeah. Off-Broadway. That's fun theater at its finest. Love, love, love. What do you think? Not only if you're a gay male millennial, but if you're the sister of a gay male millennial <laughs> or you're the mother of a gay male millennial, which shout out to Mama Grasso. My she mom came was to with us. <laughs> she and she had a great time. She had a great yes. time. It's really, it's for, it's for moms who liked the movie 20 something years ago. It's for females, males, for everyone, you know, but I'm just saying no, there's so many references. It's obviously to, for, yeah, of course. It's obviously for everyone. And obviously our mamas have to come. They're the ones who introduced us to Celine Dion. <laughs> that was what I was listening to in the minivan no, in the nineties with the CD on going to Costco. It was Celine Dion music yes. always. Yes. But wait, it's Celine Dion. <laughs> and what are your thoughts on just crafting this plot of like Celine Dion's here? She's narrating the story of the Titanic. She's claiming she was on the Titanic. She was Rose, I guess, on the Titanic. We find out at the end. Like, what do you think of just the way that spe- spilled out with her narrating it and singing us through it? It's capital H hysterical. Yeah. Okay. Just. I think it's so creative to see like a show like this and what a pop culture phenomenon Celine Dion was in the 90s and even in the 2000s, but also what a phenomenon Titanic was. And this like whole made up story of Jack and Rose, it's so funny because someone, you know, the writers of this took this and they were like, you know, (laughs) so many people think that Jack and Rose really were on that boat. But they weren't. It's a complete fictional story just set to a major tragedy in the world of this ship hitting this iceberg and uh, sinking to the bottom of the ocean. So to take this and then also Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On was such a major song. And to say, no, let's take this whole story and add so many more pop culture references, so many more gay pop culture references into this whole storyline and plot and just retell the story in a stupid parody way. <laughs> well, the mo- just- and the movie inspiration in the pop culture, it's interesting because we're laughing at this tragedy, kind of like what Mel Brooks did with the producers where he took World War II and the Nazis and added this springtime for Hitler I mean, at the time was probably so controversial, right? Yeah. And so like when you take something from so long ago and you, you know, I don't think we're really making fun of this tragedy. We're making fun of the no. movie that's associated with the tragedy. I like at the end of the show, they say, we're going to sing My Heart Will Go On in honor of all the victims. That's kind of a nice thing yeah. they do at the very end. But there's 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 hilarity in the movie. So like what has become a pop culture phenomenon, other than Celine Dion's music, of course, is this like love story. It's the diamond. It's dramatic, right? And and by the way, when you say Jack and Rose were on the boat, there don't forget some of those characters in the film are actual people that were on the boat. Like I think the Victor Garber, the Kathy Bates, some of those people actually portrayed actual people on the boat. I, I know what you're saying though. The Jack and Rose are the the romantic, you know, uh, love story, which I'm sure someone like James Cameron sat and said, I want to make Titanic a movie, but it might come across as a documentary if we just talk about the boat. Let's add some story here, right? But I think... Well, I think it's so funny with, like, what movies did to us a long time ago. It's like, you think that these people are real. And yeah, there was probably a real couple on the boat, like Jack and Rose, but this whole, like, rags-to-riches, wealthy love story here was... 
it's fictional. I so. think there's there's a lot of there's like Cal's character being so aggressive, right? And then Ruth, the mother, being like so. We're gonna talk about that, <laughs> but but like I'm just talking about the movie for a second. Like some of these characters being so and like. I th- I think we need to make this ship go faster. Like there's just all this like drama, yeah. and then like um, when the she's on the, the the famous she's on the door or the yeah. piano, whatever she's on, right? And and he can't fit on there with her. And this and then we flash forward to the old woman goes back out to the and drops it in the ocean. It's just right. all these iconic iconic. It's one. It's probably one of the if not the biggest movie of all time. Right. And so you have these moments and these writers for Titanic totally took them and ran with them. Right. And that's where like the full movie inspiration comes from. And then tying into those, you know, funny pop culture moments. But like so many of the scenes that you even just said are what people talk about all the time. We talk about like he could have fit on the door. Like I we we know this already. Like how why did he not fit on the door? Or like why did she drop that? expensive necklace in the ocean like she had to let it go or like them running down the corridors of the boat and it being so spooky (laughs) yeah spooky scary spooky scary and and let's talk a little bit into some of this now because i want i from a creative design element here's you know earlier i had said um i saw this in the thrust if there's one thing I did miss from the smaller venue was the thrust. I think it was cool to see audience across from you reacting to it and the ease of them going up to the side and talking to the audience. We were about midway. We were up in the seats, maybe about halfway into the theater. So we didn't get as much interaction. So when you have a bigger space, I think it loses a little bit of that. But the the boat, which I think is so funny, like we're doing this on the set of Anything Goes. Like, which is that so funny. Was so funny. Like the theater this, references are so funny. Oh, the, the cutout Patty Lapone is my favorite, favorite thing. I'm like, they bring out this huge life-size cutout of Patty Lapone. I'm obsessed. But just the way that the boat and the levels of the boat, I liked that. I think there's a beautiful lighting design. I think it's lit so well. And I think the orchestrations of the music really worked well together. I love when they're doing Celine Dion songs like Beauty and the Beast. And like, they're just incorporating the right song in the right place. And that was smart. To not just throw a Celine Dion song. It's kind of like when they have to put the ABBA music into Mamma Mia at the right place in the plot. Kind of similar. You have to put the right Celine song in the right emotional moment of the telling of this story, right? Right. And that's why, like, tying this into the characters, and I feel like we could spend a long time talking about this whole cast and the characters and what they gave certain people here. But, like, you know, her coming out and singing Beauty and the Beast and, like, it being this whole, like, 90s R&B moment, which is, is so funny. And them being like, you know, and we could, we didn't even get the rights from Disney to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's, like, so funny because they can. It's parody. So it's like whatever they want but also like kind of going into her whole catalog of like doing all by myself and then one of the characters singing that song and then rose's mother being like all by myself and and she's like no it's all by myself you know it's just so funny (laughs) yeah totally totally and i okay but talking about some standout performances here russell daniels is playing ruth the mother i love that it's played by a man and i Mm -hmm. love that 
I just like the seagull headband, like the the over dramatic mom. Because I remember looking at the movie and being like, "This mom is really, really mean and really aggressive with her daughter." Like, like over the top. So, so Russell just playing Ruth just totally like you. Oh my gosh, steals the whole thing for me. I just oh, wanted to totally. even more. It was great. He totally stole it playing the mom. Russell did actually. Like, I'll just go above here and say, like, he's probably my most standout performance in this whole show. Like, I just wanted him on the stage the whole time being Rose's mother because you just didn't know what was going to come out next. And it was just so funny. And, <laughs> There's, and, like, things I, I can't say on the podcast. I don't want an explicit rating. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I know. you know, if you see the show, you all know. It's just, like, so... The the lip sync for your life boats, that whole thing is so well done. The, um, the Tina Turner iceberg is, like, so well done. And they're all... And all the vocals on those actors, their voices are insane. Like, no, I don't... Like, Celine Dion is so good. Her music is so iconic. And it's very difficult to sing. So to do... Celine Dion doesn't sing her own songs eight times a week live. And these people are. I'm very impressed by that. Mm. And also, like, let's get into these vocals of Jackie Burns, because that's who we got to see play Celine. Jackie was amazing. I find she, you know, for those of you who don't know, Jackie is the longest running alphabet in Wicked. She's I actually saw her do it when I went back the second time to Wicked. She is amazing. And I always knew the vocals were there. So I always said, okay, well, her vocals are there. She's going to be stunning in the singing. And I wonder how she'll do with this like French accent, Celine impersonation. And she killed the comedy on that. She absolutely killed it. Killed it, and she does this whole tongue thing. So, like, you can kind of do a compare <laughs> co- comparison here because you saw the original, and did you see Marla? I saw Marla do it too. Yeah, I saw. So Marla you saw do Marla do this, and now we've seen Jackie. And like, are the experience like was the role played very differently? Well, what I found was with Marla, she really encompassed like I am Celine. And there was a little bit more, what I found anyway, with Marla's version was like, I am Celine. Like, do you understand who I am? There was a little bit of, and then she'd look to the audience like, hello. Like, she'd look right down to her left and be like, hey. And with Jackie, there was a lot of, I have to go in the audience. I have to come out. I have to go into the audience. I have to come. She's kind of running around more because the space is bigger. Whereas when I saw it in the small, uh, smaller space with Marla, she didn't have to do that as much running around. Jackie was doing more of the kooky crazy. And I think that was funny. It was just two very different takes on the role. One wasn't better than the other. They were just two very different takes on like playing Celine Dion. And, and it worked in both ways. Yeah, I love the choice of playing Celine as this, like, wild and kooky character, because I feel like there's so many different moments in Celine's career that are, like, she's, like, polished and clean, and then she gets, like, super kooky, and, like, for a long time, we know the Celine as being, like, the kooky Celine. And it was just it was kind of fun to watch her do that and say, that's the Celine that I want to be. And uh, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna stick my tongue out. I'm gonna show my legs off, and I'm gonna show my high heels because we all know that Celine has like the major shoe um, 
yeah, obsession collection yeah, yeah yeah collection and obsession uh but it was yeah. just so funny and i do want to, g- to give a shout out as well to uh we had an understudy for rose uh and it was she rose was played by christina walls and oh wow i would have thought that she was playing the character like she plays the character every day i was so blown away by what she was doing especially like in the improv section and just keeping that whole comedy there the improv section, let's talk about that for a second. When you have Rose and Jack and Celine's there, like in between them, there that's improvised because it was different when I saw it the first time to the second time. And, and in seeing clips like online, I realized they really change it. And they keep it with the current times of whatever's going on, like in pop culture or even like po- political culture, whatever's going on. And they're like looking at the audience, just listening to her behind them. And they have to like move their mouth to like what that is. And it's it's so funny. Like you just are watching good stand-up comedy improv gold in those moments. And it's very good. Right. And we in that improv section, we have this whole moment. And I kept laughing after because it was like just after Taylor Swift and Beyonce uh performed um at MetLife and she goes, Ooh, we're going down the the corridor and it's like, Ooh, so spooky. And she's like, Ooh, over here is pink. And she's flying around in her acrobatic, um, contraption. And, and no one even knows that pink is touring because of Taylor and Beyonce. And it was just, it's like, it's so stupid, but it was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so basically, yeah, I mean, all of it, there There was a lot of, and this is kind of going into a little bit of the direction here, too. Uh, yeah. there, there was a lot of, like, park and bark moments, just stand and sing the song and sway. And that's okay, that's enough with Celine stuff. And then there was, like, a sing-along-with-us moment at the end. It was great. It was just right. fun. Uh, and the Tina Turner section was great. And just hearing some of that music. I And there's a live band up there, and they're, they're playing away. And it's a really... I think it's directed well. There's so many different entrances and exits and they're using every wing and every aisle and they're encompassing. I think from a director's perspective, they probably said, okay, we're going to a bigger space. We're not going to be in the round anymore or in the three quarter round. So how do we still get this audience involved in feeling like people are kind of all around them? And they did a nice job in the Daryl Roth theater. I thought incorporating that. Right. And I guess with this too, like from direction and fully, like, let's go back to this word that we're going to love using this fall, but immersing us into the whole experience. So for a show that's off Broadway and you kind of have to like do something a bit more to kind of get people either to your show or what happens when they actually get to the theater what do you think Titanic is doing right? And what do you feel like they could be doing better in terms of maybe like lobby display or like, what's the moment when you're actually in the theater? Okay. So it's meant to be a commercial off Broadway parody show. I don't know if this is really meant to be immersive theater. If it was meant to be immersive theater, they would have had a captain greeting me on the street, telling me, welcome to the Titanic. And there would have been um, boat ports all around me. And like, I don't, so 
Could this verge on that in a future production where you're like, let's go on the boat because we're going to be on the boat. But I think this was also one of those like grab a drink, have a seat and sit and watch. So it it almost could be verging on immersive because there was immersive moments, but I don't think I would fully categorize it as an immersive show compared to something like Gatsby or some of the other things currently immersive. Do you think from a creative place, though, that some people might look at that and say that's what Disneyfies something if you, you know, your full experience? So, like, think of, like, a show like Moulin Rouge. Like, as soon as you enter that theater, you're fully immersed into being in the Moulin Rouge. So, like, for the same thing for, like, Titanic now, do you feel that some people are against fully immersing you into, like, that being part of the set? Like, the... Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, when we walked into the space, it was like music was playing. There was a curtain that was closed. You kind of just sat down on your phone and had your drink and talked to your neighbor like a regular show. And, and yeah, the heart what, is spinning. The heart is spinning. <laughs> so, yeah, would you would you think, like, maybe some of the – like in Gatsby, would some of the action, some of the actors come out and talk to you and say, welcome to the Titanic? Or Actually, technically, it starts in a museum. You're on a tour of the museum. And right. Celine comes out. I don't – I don't think it needed to be any more immersive than what it was. I think it works the way it does. I don't think it needs to be a big immersive thing. It could, but I, I don't think it needs to be. I, I understand, like, yeah, it's a basic lobby. It's a basic – but I think that works for this. And it kind of leads me to my next question uh, that I have for you, Jeff, is this show is big. It's won a lot of awards. It went to a very and, – and that asylum, New York City, was – I think we were literally in the basement of a grocery store. It's like you're underneath, you're in this very small basement. That's like what that is. So this is a big step up to be in the proscenium style in a pretty big off-Broadway space right in Union Square. My question for you is, where does this go next? Does it close? There's a few options. It closes in January, it's done. Maybe it licenses out to regionals. Uh, Maybe it launches a tour and it finds other small venues in Chicago for three months. Um, uh, LA for three months, right? Does it go to Broadway? That's my biggest question is, does something like this belong? I I always say everything belongs on Broadway. Does something like this go to Broadway? Is a Broadway house too big? Does it not work? Do you then have to add more elements to fill a Broadway space? I don't know. I just asked you about 30 questions. Where do you see this going next? Well, now you asked me 31 (laughs) questions. Well, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Uh, JK, um, I here's something about Broadway. First of all, I don't know how parody works on Broadway in this way. So, like, because it's billed as a parody show, what they can get away with and it also being off-Broadway. So I wouldn't know the parameters of it being on Broadway. But I'm sure they could get someone who does know how to make it and have it go to Broadway. I don't think that this show is meant for Broadway. I think, like, if, if we were to have a deeper conversation on what should be on Broadway versus what shouldn't be off-Broadway, like, what should stay off-Broadway, the list could be on, because I think we've seen many things go from off-Broadway to Broadway that never should have, because uh, they just never found their audience. I think the difference with Titanic is it has found its audience, people are talking about it, people are having a great time at it, but, like, is it enough to pack a Broadway house? Right, and... I, 
There's a part of me that thinks it should just license out to regionals, let smaller community theaters and smaller regional theaters do this. Because yeah. this is an opportunity to use local talent of pop singers who can belt Celine Dion music and right. comedic actors who are working in comedy space. And let, if the high school might be inappropriate for some high schools, but if some high schools find it appropriate, there's some way to, and then if I were this team, I would say, let's tour it. And when it closes in New York, take it on a six or eight city tour and find that there's plenty of smaller theaters in other cities in the, in this. Well, world. I think the bigger thing here is like, they would be so smart to do a big city gay tour and go to the major cities, go to Miami or Wilton Manors, go to LA, San Diego, San Francisco, Go to Austin, Texas, go to Chicago, you know, go to some of these bigger places, run the show for a week, pack out the house, go to Toronto. I mean, hello, Celine Dion. Yeah. But <laughs> even take it internet. I, I I don't know if this is playing in, in London, if, if it could go there in a small space. Like, I feel like everyone knows this movie. Like, yeah. and everyone knows Celine Dion music. I could go international. Hey, maybe there's already plans who right. knows? It does keep extending and extending in New York, though. So it'll be interesting to see if it goes past January or what the future of it is. And then you have Broadway stars like Jackie Burns taking over the role, who's amazing. So Well, it's fine because this is a show that, you know, they could kind of keep the steam going and cycle people in that role so that people keep going and seeing it if that's what they want. You know, the creative team is really interesting on this. There are some people like Ty Blue, who's come from the RuPaul world. So, you know, they're bringing that kind of energy and funniness into the show. So it would be like, and he's the director, so it would be like great to ask questions to him. Like, you know, did you think that this show was going to be as successful as it is? And what do you want for the show? Like, those are some big questions, you know. And for, like, Marla, who has played Celine Dion, do you want to play Celine Dion again? And Or are you already on to your next project? Like, are you... And do you want to keep going down that road of, like, I want to write, like, parody musicals because I had success now with one um, big one. And, you know, what's so funny about this, too, is... I don't know why this just popped into my head because I'm thinking like RuPaul and, you know, lip sync for your lifeboat, which is still so funny. But this this has the rusical moment to it. You know, how this makes sense as like a bunch of drag queens playing all of these roles would be also hysterical. But it could there be more of these rusical style musicals that do work? Because, you know, a while ago when we saw something like Bad Cinderella, I said, this is like a really bad rusical and it didn't, <laughs> and it didn't work on Broadway. But I wonder if they stripped down Bad Cinderella a little bit more and went like a more gung ho, like parody on it. And they had it off Broadway. Would we have loved it? Right. And that's why I think location, location, location always matters and size of theater and space. Sometimes I see a show that's too small for a big house and sometimes I see a show that's too big for a small house. So it really just comes down to, of course, a lot of it comes down to budget and what you can afford and what's available. Uh, parody musicals totally work and should work. And I will say in terms of like, who is this for? There is... Do you, there are so many people, theater people and non-theater people, like, what's that Titanic musical all about? Like, I've heard about it. The word of mouth, I have not heard, other than Broadway, I have not heard of a small 
off-Broadway or even off-off-Broadway show getting the word of mouth that this one is. Sure, they have a marketing budget. I see ads. They perform here from time to time. But they're not, they didn't get a Tony Award slot on CBS special. So, like, they're working off the word of mouth and they are selling. And yeah. they, the word of mouth on this from all generations of all people who have come up to me and they're like, I don't really see theater a lot, but I, I love Celine Dion. Like, should I go to this? Or I love that movie Titanic. I'm like, yeah. Like, and those people are going downtown to Union Square to see this. So it really is for everyone. And it's working. There is something's really working with this show. Really oh, is. It's, it's definitely working. First of all, we've already told like a bunch of people and they've immediately went and got tickets. And the first thing they said after us was like, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was amazing from start to finish. I could not stop laughing. I also know someone that I was talking to and they were like, I've seen it eight times because it's like you feel like you get a different experience every time you go, which is also like good to know because I would immediately go back to the show in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's why I said when I went the first time to now, I got a different experience. Right. I did. I got a completely different experience. Um, both hilarious. So, so it's hilarious. Great. It's great. Yeah. And I, um, I just, for my overall thoughts on this, I loved it. I highly re- recommend it to people. If you're not a big off-Broadway fan, this is definitely one you should get to, like, ASAP before it does eventually close, if they're going to stick with that closing. Um. But also, yes, who the show is for. It's for anyone that wants to have a good time at the theater. Like mom, dad, brother, sister, anyone, gay, straight. Female, male. And and I will also say this. It's not that big of a house. So you got to get your tickets in advance because it sells. Yeah. And it really fills. It was quite full when we were there. And it's and it, they're, they're, they're doing exactly what they need to do. It's great. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, oh, my God. Out of time here. Titanic time is flying by. Well, that wraps up our conversation and our discussion for this episode. We really hope you enjoyed our deep dive. Get it? (laughs) Into Titanic. It's like more like a deep sunk. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh, (laughs) Don't forget, we want to hear from you. So continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour podcast let us know your thoughts on titanic and what you saw there what we especially what happened in your improv second section because that's the first thing i always ask everyone what happened in your improv section Mm. um and any other broadway and off-broadway shows you want us to see and discuss and if you enjoyed our show please leave us a review your feedback really does help us bring more broadway to you and off-broadway to you remember you can listen to our past episodes and you can stay tuned for our upcoming ones which we have some great interviews coming up. We have a whole fall season of shows coming your way. So you really got to make sure you're tuning in on all what we're releasing here. And we're seeing, we got lots to talk about some more to come. Amazing. So until next time, I'm Jeff and I'm Richie saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.